Um, it's a privilege to be here. I'm sorry, the way when I say good afternoon, I'm here, David, in the back. Good afternoon, Woodley. Um, but it's, as always, it's always a privilege for me to be here um, to preach to you God's word. Um, so far, if you have been here with us, uh, we have been studying through the Lord's Prayer together. Um, and I hope that through this study, um, your hearts are encouraged to pray uh, better. I pray that this series um, will affect change in your hearts as you learn what it means to pray like Jesus. Um, again, today is, our, today is our last study in the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna close it out um, today um, in the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to try to understand what Jesus Christ means um, when he says, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We praise you so much. Um, God, I know, Lord, sometimes it's so easy for us to just throw up words, Lord, but I just pray that we would um, help us, Lord. Help us to learn what it means to pray. Help us to learn um, how to pray as Jesus taught his disciples, as Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, we are in desperate need of you. And Lord, we pray that you will bless this time as we seek to understand your word. I pray that you would apply it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You can know a lot about a person by the way that he prays. You see, that person could have much to say about God. That person could have much to say about God. But if that person doesn't speak directly to God, you know a lot about that person. You see, friends, I am not talking about how often you pray. Mainly, that, that's, that's important, but mainly, right now, I am talking about the content of your prayer life. The content of our prayer lives will reveal much about us. You see, if you're praying with a passion, oh God, help me find that job. If you're praying with a passion, oh God, help me pass this class. Oh God, help meet my needs. And you're not equally praying with equal passion. Lord, hallowed be thy name. It tells me a lot about you. It tells me maybe, maybe your, your, your concerns and, and, and what you value is yourself. And I'm not saying it's not important to pray for a job. Don't say that Willie said that. I'm not saying that it's not important to pray for your health and all of these things. All of these things are important, but my friends, if you are praying with an intense, with, with, such, intense, with such intensity, and you can't equally pray, 
Lord, let your name be hallowed. My friends, it says much about you. If you cannot pray, oh Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you can't pray about that with, with, with a degree of passion, if all you're praying about is me and myself, even ministry, oh Lord, help me to become the best preacher. Oh Lord, help me to be, become the best you know what, anything even related to ministry, and you're not praying, oh Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. You are showing, my friends, that you are more concerned about your own kingdom than the kingdom of God. I pray, friends, that you will receive this, receive these words, and examine your prayer lives. I pray that you will see if there's any corrections that need to be made, not in your prayer, but in your heart. For it's not the prayer that's for, for the for the prayer, it's not the prayer that's the issue, it's only your heart, it's what you value. I pray that reparation might be made to your heart. And so, friends, as we begin to un unpack this, what God has to say for us today. I want to do a quick recap. I want to do a quick recap, quick summary of what we've already um, studied. First of all, uh, we study what it means to hallow God's name, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We learn what it means to hallow God's name, that God's name being hallowed, it doesn't mean that God's not already holy. It means that in our hearts, we need to hallow God in our lives, in, in the friends that we have. We want God's name to be hallowed. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Friends, when we look at this world, we, we're, we're, we understand that God's kingdom, his, his reign and his rule and his kingship is not visible in this world. And we want God's kingdom to come. Give us this day our daily bread. And that, that's a prayer for provision. You're asking God, oh God, please bless us. And then last week we studied, forgive us our trespasses. Friends, it's a beautiful thing that we have here. We have the ability to go to the God of grace and ask him, oh God, forgive us. We can pray that prayer. In some ways, isn't it comforting to know that Jesus assumes that we're going to sin? And so he gives you this prayer to pray so that when you fall into sin, you can pray and you can ask God, forgive me. You can say, forgive us our trespasses. And then here's my question. If there is a prayer that is tailor-made for the sinner who falls into sin, if there is a prayer specifically designed for you who have fallen into sin, does that assume that you do not have to worry about future sins? So if you already have this prayer, you have, you, anytime you fall into sin, you can ask God for forgiveness. Does that mean that God says, okay, you can go on and live on sinning? Well, our passage right now is going to answer that question. Forgive us our trespasses after we forgive those who trespass against us and then and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from evil. So turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Well, we, have, um, we have it up here in the slides. We have the one verse in the slides, but I'm going to read the preceding verses also um, so that you can get the context. Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And here is our verse. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. I'm going to divide this sermon up into three categories. The first, we're going to explore what is the meaning of this petition? What is the meaning? What does this petition mean? The second, we're going to explore the reason for this petition. Why should we pray this? And then third, we're going to see when should we pray this prayer? So first of all, let's explore what is the meaning of this petition. What does it mean when God says, lead us, when Jesus says, lead us not into temptation? Does God set us up to sin? Does God tempt us? That's a question perhaps that we're forced to ask. But if you turn your Bibles with me to James chapter 1 verse 13, it should be up there in the slides. James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by who? By God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So this passage clearly addresses this question. It says that when we are tempted, God is not the source. Um, just a few verses down, it says that um, every good and perfect gift comes from God. God gives good things. God does only what is right. God will never do evil. He will never do evil to you, and he will never tempt you. He will never tell you to tell that white lie. He will never tell you to lust with your eyes. He will never tempt you to gossip. God will not tempt you to sin. So then if God won't ever do that, what is this passage saying? What does it mean for God to not lead us to temptation if God never tempts us? Well, I think the best example could be found in the book of Job, the story of Job. In Job chapter 1, verse 7, it says, I'm sorry, you probably won't be able to read this. But it says that the Lord, and we're, gonna, we're, we're reading in chapter 1, verse 7, if you want to open your Bibles. Um, it says that the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered to the Lord and said, from going to and fro the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth? A blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Next slide. Then, then, Satan, then Satan answered the Lord and said, does God, 
Does Job fear God for no reason? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hands. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Guess what? Satan went to go tempt Job. What do we learn from this passage? Notice from this passage that God never tempts Job. Right? Satan's design is, is for Job to be tempted. Satan's design is for Job to curse God. But God's design is for Job to be tested and tried. God wants good for Job. Satan wants evil for Job. See, now God knew that Satan wanted to tempt him. And guess what? God allowed Satan to try. But overall, God meant it for good and Satan meant it for evil. So when we are asking, lead us not into temptation, we are not asking God to not tempt us because God does not tempt us. When we are saying this, we are understanding God's sovereignty. We are understanding that God controls all events in our lives. He even controls Satan for his good purposes. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 8, it's not up there, but Paul says that there was a messenger sent for me, a messenger of Satan. And then he pleaded with the Lord. He said, oh, Lord, take this away from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, who's the one that did this, Satan or God? Because on one end, he says, there is a messenger of Satan. And on the other hand, he's, God is saying, I'm leaving it there. My grace is sufficient. You see, God is sovereign even over the enemy, my friend. And sometimes he will use the enemy for his good purposes in your life. The enemy might mean it mean to harm you, the enemy might mean to hurt you, but God will bless you in the midst of your temptation. So when you're praying, lead us not into temptation, you're asking God to keep you in the battle, to keep you strong in the temptation. When you are tempted to, to not succumb to the evil one, to not succumb to even your own flesh, to not succumb to the pressures of this world. So it's very important that we understand what this passage is saying. Now let's consider also the reason for this petition. Why is Jesus asking us to pray this? What's the reason behind this? Why should we pray like that? Well, the first answer I can give is because Jesus commands it. Um, Jesus says in, the, uh, in verse 9, he says, pray then like this. Which means Jesus Christ is instructing you, this is how you should pray. Pray then like this. And then he eventually he says, lead us not into temptation. You see, friends, whatever Jesus tells us to do, friends, it is our wisdom to listen to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ tells us how to pray. My friend, you will do well if you listen to the words of Jesus Christ. 
Perhaps also you're thinking, this is a given. Why should we pray like this? Doesn't God already know, lead us away from temptations, influence over our lives? If you and I are Christians, doesn't God already want to lead us? Doesn't he already desire to lead us away from temptation? Doesn't he already steer us away from temptation? Isn't it God's desire for your life anyways? If it's God's desire to lead you away from temptation already, why are you praying for it? Well, if you've studied the Lord's Prayer already, you understand that everything in the Lord's Prayer is His desire, right? Hallowed be your name. Well, don't you think God's name wants to be hallowed already? Don't you think God wants to hallow His name already? Yes, but He, isn't that a given? Yes, but God, but God somehow asks us to participate with Him in that He already, in what He already is doing, and He tells us to ask for it. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done as it is in heaven. You see, that's a given. God's kingdom will come, but, but God's kingdom, watch this, God's kingdom comes and his will is done in response to us praying about it. His kingdom comes and his will is done in response to us praying about it. And then you think of temptation. Lead us not into temptation. That's a given, right? Yes. But God wants you to ask him to keep you from give, being given over to temptation. He wants you to recognize your reliance on him to keep you from temptation. You see, if you do not, you will be caught off guard with sin that you didn't know you could commit. You see, get, Jesus Christ wasn't giving an option. He wasn't giving you an optional prayer. This is a must. The Bible says that you have not because you ask not. You see, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps maybe, maybe, just maybe, the reason why some of us are not experiencing victory over temptation, could it be possibly that we are not praying against temptation? There could be other significant factors. But could it be that we believe that we are an exception to this rule? Friends, you will not prove to be an exception. Jesus Christ tells you to pray like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, If you think you're strong, take heed lest you fall. I don't want us to be a church where we believe that we are strong. We look at our past record and we're like, man, I've been good. Praise God. The Bible says, friends, if you think you're strong, take heed lest you fall. Now let's ask ourselves a question. When should we pray this? When should we pray this prayer? The Bible says that we ought to pray without ceasing. You see, the same way, in the same way that we pray, oh God, 
Give us this day our daily bread. Meaning every day that you have to rely on him for his provision. So should we pray daily to lead me not into temptation. Every day you will encounter a new temptation, one way or another. Jesus Christ tells us that we must deny ourselves and follow him daily. What does it mean daily to deny ourselves if we aren't tempted to please ourselves daily? This is very important, friends. We need to constantly be praying every day. Oh, God, I don't know what this day, what's in store for me this day. Please, oh, Lord, keep me from temptation. And whatever season you're in, friends, all of us, all of us here are in a particular season in our lives. We are all in a, in a season in our lives. Maybe we might be um, single mothers um, with teenage sons. We may be a young father with small children. Um, you are in a season in your life. And whatever season that you're in, you're going to enter into another season sooner or later. Maybe right now you're sick. Maybe right now you're single. Tomorrow you might be married. Maybe um, today you are. Um, you have no children, and maybe next season you might have children. But hear this: different seasons invite different temptations. Different seasons invite different kinds of temptations. You need to understand. That whatever new situation that comes to your doorstep, you should pray, oh God, will you keep me from temptation? I don't know what's in store for me tomorrow, but will you please keep me from temptation? When you get that promotion, you you should be aware of the unique temptation that might come with that promotion. And pray in accordance. When you get that new position, or you get accepted to this great school that you've been praying about, Pray that God will keep you from temptation. You don't know what next season will bring. And friends, you need to pray in accordance. You need to pray that God will keep you from temptation. It might be a temptation of pleasure or a temptation of pain. My friends, I do not know. Some of you may experience tragedy in the next season. I hope not. But some of us may experience tragedy in our next season in life. But we must be constant in prayer. We must pray that God will keep us from temptation. He never promises us a a suffering-less life. But my friends, we should be in prayer constantly. You may be tempted to reject God in your next season, my friends. There are some people that I know of. When that new season hit, they became a new person. That season might have revealed something new, something about them that they didn't even know themselves. My friends, are you praying against temptation? Every day, but not even every day, but when you encounter a new season in your life, are you praying against temptation? I want us to consider a few things. I want us to consider a few things. 
There are, at times, when we are asking God, God, please keep me from temptation. Perhaps you're praying, you're saying, God, I want to you to lead me away from temptation. Lead me not into temptation. And yet, and yet, I want you to read this. I want you to understand this. You are not avoiding temptations at all costs. You see, this passage assumes that you are already fighting against sin. It's already assuming that you're avoiding the temptations at all costs. See, it doesn't make sense for you to be praying, Oh God, lead me not into temptation. And yet, and yet you know that you have a problem perhaps with alcohol. Maybe you know that you have a problem with getting drunk and you're always tempting yourself with alcohol. It's not wise, my friend. It is not wise for you. Perhaps you have a problem with pornography and you have no accountability partner. You put no safeguards you, you have your computer in your room. And you know that you have an addiction, my friends, and you are praying, oh Lord, lead me not into temptation. And yet you are setting yourself up. You're praying, oh God. You're praying against temptation. And yet you're doing things that encourage temptation in your life. So I want us to apply that in our hearts, in our lives. I want us to consider fighting against sin when we are praying against temptation. I want us to pray to avoid temptation at all costs. You see, Jesus Christ says this. We all know that Jesus Christ says it well. He says that if your right hand causes you to sin, Cut it off, for it is better that you lose one of your members and that your whole body be thrown into hell. What is it, friends? What is it, what is it in your life that causes you to temptation? I want you to be careful to look at those things and ask yourself, perhaps, perhaps, am I inviting temptation in my life? I also want us to consider what it really looks like. And and practically, day-to-day, what does this look like? Well, number one, number one, pray for yourselves. Pray for yourselves. Friends, you do not know what kind of temptations will come to you on a daily basis. Sometimes it's the same, t- same temptations that you've been fighting year after year. Other times it's a new temptation that you've never encountered before. Therefore, friends, it is wise. It is wise to pray that God will keep you from falling. It is wise. And as we said before, um, even... even even, well, I didn't say this, but even when things seem to go well in your life, there's a unique temptation that comes with that. You hear that? 
Even when things seem to go well in your life, there are unique temptations that can come in your life. George Mueller, who um, we've studied before, um, we've talked about a, a little bit about him before, but he, um, he was a man of God who prayed mightily that God will provide for him. He, will never, he, never, once, um, he never once told anyone his request, but God provided miraculously. He says this, he says, often the work of the Lord itself may be a temptation to keep us from that communion with him, which is so essential to the benefit of our own soul. Do you hear that? He says, often the work of the Lord itself, the work of the Lord itself may be a temptation to keep us from that communion with him, which is so essential to the benefit of our own soul. So friends, do not lie to yourself. Do not trick yourself into believing that the Lord's work could somehow replace communion with him. Some of you right now, you're in an intense season of temptation. So you need to pray for God to help you in this temptation. But perhaps you may want to consider telling another Christian, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I, I need you to, to hold me accountable. I need you to help me pray. Maybe you need to grab someone from Mosaic. Maybe if you're a lady, maybe you want to grab another, another female at the church. Maybe if you're a guy, you might want to grab another guy at the church and say, hey, look, I want to open up to you. I want to tell you what I'm struggling with. Maybe you need to open up to your brothers and sisters, friends. You will not gain victory by yourself. You need the family. You need the family. You will experience much power in the context of praying with family. Number two, not only should we pray for ourselves, let's pray for those in our families. It is also wise to pray for those, for, for your loved ones, your brothers, your sisters, perhaps your wife, your, your husband. Pray for your husband that God will keep him from temptation. Pray for your wife. Pray for your children. Um, do you know, do you know, friends, those of us who have, who have children, do you know, do you know the world in which they're growing up in? Do you know the kinds of temptations that they're going to face is going to be different from the temptations that you face? Oh, my friends, pray for your children. Constantly asking God, oh, God, lead them not into temptation. Yes, we're going to pray for their conversion. Yes, pray for their salvation. And by God's grace, they would be saved. But even when they are saved, my friends, you need to intercede. Oh, God. I pray that you will lead them not into temptation. Pray for them. Pray for your church. Perhaps you can't pray for everyone here in the church, but you could pray in the context of your missional family. Maybe, maybe, maybe you could, you could, you could. Um, before we said that, you can um, go and approach someone and say, "Hey, look, I'm struggling with this." But maybe you need to take the initiative and say, "Hey, are you struggling with anything?" Even in the context of the missional family, maybe we could ask ourselves, each other, hey, is there any way in which we want to pray? Can I, can I, can I pray for you? Any way or anyhow? Maybe you might not feel comfortable saying it in the context of the whole group, but maybe you might take someone aside and say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this, but friends, we as a church, 
We can help one another. We can, we can help each other in this battle against temptation. We can help each other against this battle of temptation. So those are the three things in which we could do. We can pray for ourselves. We can pray for our families, those who we have, those who are in our households, and we can pray for our church. But also, one more thing, I almost forgot. One more thing, we could pray for those who are being persecuted, those Christians who are facing unique temptation of persecution around the world. Friends, you have brothers and sisters that are being persecuted in the faith. And you need to pray, oh God, will you help them in the midst of this trial? Will you help them to continue in the faith? My friends, we need to lock arms with other brothers and sisters in the world. Now, I don't know if you've ever sinned yet before, but I know I have. I've sinned. I think everybody else is in agreement with me. You have the same experience of sinning against God. How many of us have filled, felt shame because of our sins? All of us, yeah. Even after being Christians, we fall at times, right? We feel like we disappoint ourselves. We feel like we disappoint God. But let me bring this passage to you. I want you to understand something. That when you fall into sin, yes, you can ask God for forgiveness. But your hope is not in yourself. You hear that? You are not your own hero. You are not your own rescuer. You see, Jesus Christ was the one who lived the perfect life. Jesus Christ was the one who was tempted yet without sin. Jesus Christ is the one that you need to look to. And for those of you who have never come to a place where you've understood Jesus Christ yet, I want you to understand that being a good person is not going to save you. Being able to avoid temptation, which you're not, is not going to save you. What you need to understand is Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet we without sins. Friends, we have a high priest. We have a mediator. We have the perfect mediator between us and God who has never sinned. And guess what? You can approach God as if you yourself have never sinned because Jesus Christ, your representer, has never sinned. And when he is pleading your cause, he is pleading on behalf of what he has done for you on the cross so you can go to God with confidence. And I don't know... Where you're at in your life right now. I don't know if you felt like you've sinned against God. I don't know if you felt, feel shameful for what you've done. But I want to let you know this. I can't let you go without telling you this. That Jesus Christ is sufficient for all your sins to be forgiven. Jesus Christ is sufficient for all your sins to be forgiven. I don't care, friends, if you did it, sin. You felt like you sinned an hour ago. You can come back to the cross 
All of us can go back to this cross where Jesus Christ was tempted. Jesus Christ, he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. He lived a perfect life, all of his life. He never once sinned against God. Even as he was on the cross, he had the ability to curse God, but he never did. He entrusted his soul to God. And my friends, he is our representative. If it was me that was representing you, you have every reason to be afraid. If it was Job that represented you, you have every reason to be afraid. If Abraham or Moses, if, if Peter, if, if, if Paul the Apostle was representing you, you have every reason to be afraid. But Jesus Christ is the perfect mediator. He is the man, God, the, the, the God-man who lived this perfect life for you. So, in conclusion... I want us all to center our lives around the cross, around what Jesus Christ did. And guess what, Christians? God gives you grace. Yes, he gave you grace to forgive you of your sins. But in Jesus Christ, you also have grace to win over temptation. Amen.